Oh, this is ridiculous. No, it's fun. There's a truck dropping off a shipping container. (laughs) 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 I don't don't know why. (laughs) Well, why not? Uh, Why not? (laughs) Maybe it's like a, maybe it's a shipping container bar. No, or maybe it's a podcast recording studio. It might be. I know. <laughs> oh, I finally got there. Good. <laughs> Welcome to GCP Life, episode number 18, a podcast where we discuss Google Cloud and tech. GCP Life is sponsored by Kazna, and I'm your host, Stephen Bancroft. And on today's show, we discuss Google getting into the supply chain business. We look at how much Google certified people actually get. We check out a fool of the week. Apparently, Google's going all right in New Zealand. And there's some more Google Cloud growth stories. But before we get to any of that, I want to introduce the co-host who is now the furthest from me that he's ever been, Dave Wall. How are you going, Dave? I am doing brilliantly, thanks, Banky. How are you? <laughs> that Very was a bit cryptic, far. wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> that was a bit cryptic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that that the, the reason for that is because this show I'm recording remotely. I'm actually in Winton at the moment, and uh, if you don't know where Winton is, uh, I'm in a little caravan park in Winton, and uh, I guess you could say Winton's kind of like the geographic centre of Queensland. Uh, I'm running the entire show off my 12-volt system with my uh, 5G wireless uh, netgear. And uh, I've uh, had a few little challenges with things doing this. Mainly, the main thing is the weather. Right now, it is pouring down rain outside, and I'm inside a camper trailer. So the the rain is coming down onto the the canvas roof. So you may be able to hear that. (laughs) Not quite Uh, the uh, recording studio that you're used to being in. (laughs) No, not not quite the luxury I'm used to, no. And you may hear the occasional four-wheel drive or uh, magpie outside, but, you know, we'll get the show done. <laughs> Someone wrestling with a tent, yeah. <laughs> That's right. Um, yeah, so as I said, I, I am in Winton, and I'm here. I'm going to the Big Red Bash, which is a, a uh, I guess, a rock festival at Birdsville that they hold annually. And uh, being this, this will be my third time going there. So it's known as the world's most remote music festival. You're our roving reporter. <laughs> the roving reporter, correct. The show must go on, right? We are recording the show a little bit earlier, uh, just to fit in with my timetable, because when I am at the Big Red Bash, there is zero mobile phone reception. One of the few places in the world, I guess, where there'd be no mobile phone reception. Um, so we have to get it done now. Um yeah, so a couple of couple of little fun facts about Winton, in case you didn't know. Um, I've actually travelled nearly 1,900 kilometres to get here. Uh, it's about 11,053 kilometres from Brisbane, because I'm from Sydney. That's a bit further. 1,100 kilometres. Not 11,000, uh, 11, right? <laughs> oh, sorry. Sorry, 1,100 <laughs> kilometres from Brisbane, yeah. Um, it has the world's only museum that's dedicated to a song. The Waltzing Matilda Museum, which of course was written by Ben J. Patterson. We all know that song, Waltzing Matilda. Unofficial uh, unofficial anthem of the country. (laughs) Unofficial Australian anthem, correct. Uh, It has the Australian Age of Dinosaurs Museum with the dinosaur walkway. I went there this morning and saw that. Some great fossilised footprints and they have uh, dinosaurs on the property, dinosaur fossils on the property as well. 
Uh, it is the home to the world's largest collection of Australian dinosaur fossils, of course. Um, it has the dinosaur stampede at Lake Quarry. Uh, and tomorrow my plan is to go out there and see that, but right now the road is flooded and you can't get there. You didn't bring a boat? <laughs> uh, no, yesterday it was happened to four-wheel drive, so I would have been able to get there, but right now it's closed. So I'm hoping tomorrow they open it to four-wheel drives and we'll be able to forward through and, and get out there to see it. Apparently it's quite sloshy and muddy and... Um, yeah, two, two wheel drives go out there and get bogged quite often. So <laughs> hopefully I get to see that. And another little fun fact is um, Winton is actually the birthplace of Qantas. Now, if anyone's ever flown, you'll know Qantas. Uh, the first board meeting was held in Winton, but the airship and the hangars were built at Longstreet, Long, Longreach, which is about 150 kilometres southeast from here. That's where I was yesterday. And I did go to the Qantas Museum while I was there yesterday. So, How was the museum? Uh, Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, they've got uh, some great Qantas memorabilia, a couple of the early planes that Qantas had, uh, some interactives for the kids. Um, yeah, yeah, really, really good good place to go and check out and visit. Pretty authentic. You've been having a, a, a much more exciting time than I have. <laughs> I have to say, uh, obviously, I'm a big, promo- big proponent of uh, remote working, but um, I had, uh, I'd organised to get uh, my NBN upgraded to fibre to the premises because there's a whole you know, program for that at the moment. Um, and uh, which actually, by the way, for anyone listening, um, my suburb hadn't been announced as like being available for that program, but just on a whim, I put it in on the Aussie broadband site and it came up as, as good to go. So worth checking out if you're like me, we're just looking for the press releases. Um, go go test it, but um, yeah, the civil engineering or civil works guy uh, came here and was trying to work it all out. I happened to be there, and I managed to convince him to kind of install it on the exact opposite side of the house. That's way more convenient for me. It's where my network cupboard is. So uh, yeah, it's good to be here. I hadn't had a call or anything in advance. So yeah, perfect. Yeah, that sounds like it's all coming up. Millhouse. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's it working out indeed. well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I, yeah, I'll be looking forward to hear how that goes and definitely seeing some results on your speed and your throughput. Oh, yeah. yeah oh, yeah. It's going to be nice. Anyway, I thought I'd kick off the show uh, with something that's a little bit apt for the moment. Um, I don't know about you, but we lettuces. What's what's the go with lettuces at the moment? Oh, they're currency can't, now. <laughs> they're current. We... We were going to buy one. I mean, you're out. We're out here in the in the sticks, right? And you expect it to be hard to get the odd thing every now and then. But twelve bucks for a lettuce when we were at the food works the other day. <laughs> a platinum lettuce. <laughs> platinum lettuce. Yeah. Yeah. Nah. I said yeah. Nah to that one. No. No. Twelve dollar lettuce for us. Yeah. You're down to um, avocados, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Anyway, we did we did manage to get a you know one of those salad things in a in a plastic bag today for about five bucks so that, that'll do for for the meal for tonight tomorrow night and uh, apparently eggs are next on the list we're gonna have trouble getting eggs oh yeah uh, that, and the- that doesn't surprise me because some of like the the eggs that i usually buy have been out of stock a bunch recently so yeah yeah well you know i've got those chooks in the backyard at home so eggs aren't gonna be uh, yeah you're fine me, <laughs> But look, why is this important? Well, Google are pushing hard into the supply chain technology. Uh, article here on Freightwaves um, interviewing Hans Tauber, who uh, is the managing director of 
global supply chain logistics and transport at Google. Um, they have a position for that. Yeah, well, evidently. <laughs> Yeah, evidently they do, yeah. Uh, supply day, supply chain disruptions have further proven the need for more up-to-date insight into operations, inventory levels, and more. However, siloed and incomplete data is limiting the visibility companies have into their supply chains. We saw an opportunity to help customers gain deeper insights into their operations and optimize supply chain functions from sourcing and planning distribution and logistics. Now we saw a bit of this last week with with sort of the manufacturing and um, so on that 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 they were starting to spin up. Yeah, indeed, being able to integrate with um, I guess like PLCs and SCADA systems and all that kind of stuff they actually use to run your factory. Yeah, and I'm thinking RFID technology as well, right? Hmm. Mm. Uh, there'll be a lot of data, a lot of number crunching that's got to happen there. Um, a lot of AI, I guess, would be a big part of it as well, right? For making forecasts with AI. Definitely. Um, of course, COVID-19's just thrown a, a, a spanner in the works. Um, can't get the staff. I mean, this, this is why we've got $12 lettuces, right? Because we, we, don't, <laughs> we don't have the... We don't have the people to ship the stuff around, and it's just playing havoc on, on uh, logistics. Uh, Thalber goes on to say, the most challenging part is the unpredictability of it all. The past two years have been filled with challenge after challenge that makes it difficult to plan and prepare for. We are living in a post-outsourcing world. Now, that, that I think is an interesting concept In and of there. itself, yeah. Yeah. This means supply chains will become more regionalized, reducing global dependencies and risk, as well as focus on sustainability is leading to that. So that it's a really interesting point there about this, the reduction in outsourcing, but regionalizing, I wonder how that then affects, you know, the old concept of like, you know, kind of lean manufacturing and, you know, sort of just in time logistics where, you know, you really, you're not having stockpiles of equipment moving through the system. It's like, I need a bolt now. And so the system should know that, okay, I've got like 10 here or below a threshold, start moving through like, uh, you know, resupply. And then once the the warehouse is getting low, that sends an order off to the uh, the manufacturer for the bolt. Um, if, you know, if it is regionalizing, you know, is that going to mean we have, have to have a bit more fat in the system to tolerate any individual part of the supply chain breaking down? Yeah, I guess it'll be decentralised in a way, right? Because mm. uh, right now we have these centralised warehouses where things are stored and then it's distributed from there. Um, here's the thing that I'm thinking about when I, when I hear this statement. Right now... You would think, prior to COVID and prior to all these disruptions, you would think that the distribution system that we have would be highly optimised, right? It would be the cheapest way to distribute goods, right? Correct. Yeah, margins are tight. And so, you know, that's that's the name of the game, right? Is getting something from A to B as cheaply as possible. As cheaply as possible. And and cheap means, uh, well... In my mind, cheap means the least resources are used, mm-hmm. right? You would think so. Um, so if we're going to go with a more regionalized approach, um, 
then it's going to be more expensive. Yes. Yeah, I, I could see this being right. a, like it's a genuine reaction uh, and a pushback over you know what we've seen over the last couple of years. It's been it's been awful, right? It's, it's COVID. Yeah. There's uh, the Ukraine situation. There's there's so many other issues that are sort of compounding on the you know supply chain that you know maybe we will see like this reaction where we go the complete opposite way for yeah. I don't know a decade and then it'll you know stabilize will be beyond you know for hopefully for a period yeah. of time we'll be in a post pandemic world and yeah yeah and then it'll probably start to go back to okay how, what can we cut what can we cut What's how can we make it cheaper? How, how can we, we make, make it cheaper? cheaper? How can we make yeah. it cheaper? Yeah, yeah. And that that's basically outsourcing again. Yeah. And when warehouse distribution centers and all the rest of it. Mm. So, yeah. So, how can Google Cloud help with this? Well, uh, Thalbert gives a couple an example here. Um, we are working with the XPO to support their customer supply chains with our AI, ML, and data analytics, which is exactly what we're saying. XPO customers across various industries are facing many challenges given the unpredictable marketplace with constraints, volatility, and rising demands. By migrating several key applications to Google Cloud, XPO will be able to help customers by taking advantage of our scalability and availability of cloud computing, which will help with peak seasonality. So, yeah, that's about the, you know, auto-scaling of, of systems or just, you know, having uh, serverless systems or, you know, containerized systems that can, that can meet the demand. Yeah, pulling their data out of any individual site and making it available across the company. And- so the question that was put to Google was, Google's core capabilities are driven by sophisticated algorithm calculations. Has Google been able to leverage the algorithmic expertise to build logistic solutions? Then Tauber says, we leverage our expertise in data analytics and AI across all our solutions in supply chain logistics. I mean, that makes, that makes a lot of sense to me, Dave. Um, yeah. From, from cloud fleet routing, API, last mile fleet solutions to contact center AI. Yeah, they've got the data and analytics chops. So now they're just building out the framework. This is it. We can pipe your data in and then let's start getting some knowledge out of it. Yeah, absolutely, and it makes makes complete sense to me. And it's surprising that none of the other um, hyperscalers are getting into this space. Yeah, though, I mean, I suppose over time, you know, they'll build out that process, but um, I guess mostly they've gone infrastructure first, whereas Google went, you know, analytics and AI first, yeah. All right, well, let's move on. Um, a story that I came across was report workers with google cloud certifications earn 65 percent higher raises interesting yeah when i first read yeah. this like when i first read the headline i'm like they earn 65 percent more like jesus <laughs> no 65 percent the higher raises uh, in, yeah. a, in a salary increase <laughs> yeah. right I don't know if it's because we're playing, trying to play catch-up or what, but according to a new report by O'Reilly Media, obtaining Google Cloud certifications earn cloud workers 7.1% salary increases, 65% more than the average salary increase of 4.3%. Cloud-focused workers are currently the most sought-after cloud talent. Tech talent. <laughs> most sought-after cloud, cloud workers talent. are the most cloudy workers. <laughs> <laughs> That's correct. Um, 
we uh, those who reported they earned a Google Cloud Certified Professional Cloud Architect certification, which is me. I got one of them. Make an average of two hundred thirty-one thousand dollars. That'd be US, right? Where West Coast are they salaries? That figure from yeah, West Coast US. And also received a substantial salary increase of 7.1%. Has to be, right? Mm. The salaries and salary increases for Google certifications are particularly impressive given that Google Cloud is the least widely used of the major platforms. The findings indicate that talent proficient with Google's tools and services is harder to find and drive salaries up. Yeah, I mean, also, I guess... The exams are harder too. Like you are tested to a higher standard on the Google exams versus the other two major hyperscalers. Right. Okay. I didn't realize that was the case. I, I, you know, if I was ever to walk into an AWS exam or a Zero exam, I would just assume that uh, it'd be the same as a Google exam. No, I think there's that's depending on. The tier, yes, but um, like even just like this, the Google Associate one is significantly harder than the AWS one. Right. Therefore, valued more. Possibly, yeah. Yeah. I think we've covered it on the show before where we talked about the, the three associate, you know, the, the most popular exams, the three associate level exams for the three hyperscalers, and then the fourth on the list was the Google Cloud Architect certification. So if you take the associates out of it, then, yeah, the number one certification would be the Google Cloud Architect. For sure. It was an interesting note in there, though, about um, if I can find the – actually, I think it was a little bit lower. Um, but just talking about uh, there was like a scale of salary increases by hours put into you know professional development over the year. And the sweet spot seemed to be about – I think it was that forty hours of you know driving yourself and studying was a a good level to help drive um, higher pay increases. For forty hours a year, yeah. Wow. Okay. I mean, if I, if I'm studying for a cert, I probably put that in in a month. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. yeah so okay. you're right. Actually, I didn't even think about that. It's really it's it's a one working week. Yeah. So 180 or 52, that's, that's a pretty- It doesn't seem a, like- It's not that much. It doesn't seem like a lot. No. 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 Does, that, does that sort of say that there's a lot of people in IT that aren't getting certified? Oh, there's heaps. I mean, if that's, there's always, if that's all it takes- there's, there's a lot of people that's like, oh, you know, I just don't have the time or uh, I'm too yeah. busy. And um, I think we've all fallen into this sometime, like especially you- yeah. you're, you're working on like a hard project or you've got a big backlog. Like sometimes you get to the end of the day and you're like, I just can't think about technology anymore <laughs> for a while. Yeah, true, true. Um, but that investment is worth it. Yeah. And you've got to try and make the time. I mean, a company like Casna, then if you work at a place like Casna, then, you know, you're, you're, you're able to get the time to do that study sure. that you need. Yeah. Um, keeps you sharp, keeps you on the edge, right? Yeah. It what makes you more valuable, right? You can do more things. In more clever ways. Having skills, no, there's, you know, there's never going to be a negative to having more skills. No, no, no. And so, you, and you know, as your value goes up, then your salary goes up. All right, moving on. I thought we'd look at a fun article here. The fool of the week 
Um, it's got to go to this guy. <laughs> I like this as a segment. <laughs> Maybe it should be a segment. Yeah. Singaporean man cheats Amazon and Google by impersonating two people. Right. When it comes to scams, swindlers often target the vulnerable. However, it seems even big corporations can be vulnerable to these threats too. And when you think about it, it this was not difficult to do, right? Mm. He apparently did so by impersonating two people whose personal information he obtained illegally on the dark web. So what he's done, he's swindled Amazon and Google out of 7.6 million Singapore in, in cloud computing services. By using fake IDs. Doesn't come as a surprise. No, no. But it, from what this is this is kind of a confusing article for me because it talks about seven point six million, but one of the uh things that it's it calls out is that he cheated AWS of twenty nine dollars worth of cloud computing services after <laughs> obtaining another man's <laughs> details. Like by I don't even know what you get for twenty nine dollars. A couple of DNS entries. It's uh, <laughs> probably an editorial problem there, but um, yeah. Look, I mean, this is going to happen, right? If, if all you got to do is just go and put in your your, your information and your, and your credit card, of course, people are going to use fake credit cards to do that, mm-hmm. or or harvested credit cards. This, this is what's going to happen. But I guess the difference with this is that it's the the quantity. million? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that'll do. Um, He pleaded guilty to 12 charges, including cheating, unauthorized access to computer material, and drug consumption. That's the one that will have done him in Singapore. So uh, he's a fine, upstanding member of the community. And yeah, that's not going to go down well in Singapore at all. That's probably what's done him. I wonder what he was doing with the computing resources. Was he either crypto mining on them or was he using like, you know, DDoSing people? Uh, He'd be doing some nefarious activity Mm -hmm. like that. Yeah, pirate pirate material or dark web stuff or DDoSing or, you know, crypto or some sort of attacks. Yeah, absolutely. Sounds like the kind of character that would do that. Mm. Um, currently, he's out on bail, $180,000 bail, which his father paid for. Um, and uh, But he was allowed to also defer his sentence by one month so he could settle his personal affairs. Ooh. Close down all those dodgy websites, I suspect. <laughs> delete, delete his browser history. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so there you go. Even the big companies can be scammed. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, story that's come out of New Zealand. Um, apparently, Google Cloud is going quite well in New Zealand. My friends across the ditch. What are we saying here? Uh, story that's on uh, reseller.co.nz. Uh, Google New Zealand reports a surge in cloud sales. Uh, Google New Zealand reported its cloud reseller revenue surged from 5.5 million to 8.7 million during the year to the end of December 2021. Google New Zealand also resells advertising and marketing services for its US parent. That portion increased from 35.7 million to 43.6 million during the, the year. Total New Zealand revenue for the subsidiary increased from forty three point eight to fifty seven point eight million. So going quite going along quite nicely. Yeah, that's a good amount of growth. Mm. Um, Google was a bit late. Um, 
a bit late arrival in, in New Zealand, uh, Cloud Seen since it is yet to join all of the government cloud framework agreements alongside Hyperscaler, oh, AWS, right. yeah, and so Microsoft. So be freezing them out of all the government business for now. Yeah, they are currently for now. I mean, I, I don't think they have a big strong foothold in New Zealand as yet, but it is growing. Yeah, Google doesn't currently have a region in New Zealand, but uh, Microsoft, Amazon Web Services, however, are also both building or planning local data center regions to address customer concerns. Yeah, yeah I just went and checked the uh, Microsoft site and yeah, coming soon for New Zealand. Coming soon, exactly. Yeah, so uh, I think that's going to be the next little hotspot. Once they've all got something established there, there'll be you know, the competition will heat up in that area. Okay, and taking another look at uh, Google Distributed Cloud Platform, uh, another article here from uh, InfoQ. Google expands its distributed cloud platform with Anthos on-premises. thought this was interesting. Oh, nice. Recently, yeah. mm, recently, Google announced the expansion of its distributed cloud platform by bringing on Anthos on-premises for VMware, vSphere, and Anthos bare metal services. The offering is called Google Distributed Cloud Virtual, a software and services only solution. Right. And Distributed Cloud Platform was the way to be able to run like the Google stack on-prem, either on their tin or virtualized on your own tin. That's right. We saw this a little bit with Edge. Yeah. So yeah, Distributed Cloud Platform now consists of Edge, Hosted, and Virtual Providing a consistent set of development, security, and management experiences across any IT environment an enterprise can select, all powered by a single Anthos API. Very convenient. Very, yeah. Very, very convenient. Um, interesting that it can be put on VMware vSphere. Mm. Hmm. Yeah, well, I suppose, you know, if you've got a big, uh, a big on-prem vSphere farm, well, why not just run the distributed cloud virtual on there if you're in the middle of that migration? I guess what would be the use case for it? What would be the need? I, mean, I guess compliance might be, uh, might be a need around compliance. Could be. Could uh, be. You might not be ready to you know, uplift your data out of the data center and get it across. Maybe strategically you've still got the, uh, the view that you need to manage it yourself. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, you've still got, you know, uh, assets that are, you know, capable. True, and yeah. You might have only yeah. tech refreshed last year and you go, oh, I really want to sweat yeah. them for five years. Well, yeah, yeah. Get, it, get a head start yeah. on your cloud journey. Yeah, so with Google Distributed Cloud Virtual deployed on the infrastructure, it provides a software-only extension of Google Cloud, allowing users to... Leverage the Google Cloud Console to provision Anthos clusters on vSphere and automate provisioning and maintenance of GKE clusters on VMs and existing bare metal infrastructure based on their requirements and form factors. Pretty cool. Um, to create and deploy containerized workloads straight to Kubernetes or an application runtime. Apply federated security, access control and identity management across cloud and on-premises clusters. Hmm. Might be something that'd be uh, pretty good to get some credits for and give a go. What are the minimum requirements are for it? Are you thinking about spinning this up on a box you've got at home? 
<laughs> it might be. It might have slightly higher requirements than like one Dell pizza box sitting at like my old man's house. <laughs> but no, that'd be cool. Yeah, wouldn't it be good if you could just like, what if you, what if you can just simulate the entire platform? Now that'd be a cool idea if you just wanted to spin. Mm. I don't know. You could just simulate everything in a, in a box and then just. Build it, move it out, you know? <laughs> what Anthos pie. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, one to uh, maybe have a play around with if possible, but uh, check that one out. And yeah, to follow up on a lot of these stories that we've seen about um, the increase in public cloud spending, we've got a story here on Tech Monitor um, entitled Public Cloud Spending Grows 26% as AWS Azure and Google Cloud cash in. Spending in the public cloud is soaring, meaning the hyperscale providers are investing heavily in their infrastructure. Yeah, and Google are spending, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. Global spending on public cloud grew by 26% to reach $126 billion in the first quarter of 2022. The first quarter, new figures show. With infrastructure, and this I found interesting, with infrastructure as a service and platform as a service seeing the steepest increase. So IaaS and PaaS services... Not SaaS. No, yeah. But I, th- yeah. I think this kind of mirrors what we're seeing, right? Like we're seeing a lot of interest in GCVE, that that easier on-ramp to the cloud side. So I can see why it would be picking up so much. Yeah, it's really about organizations getting their feet wet with the cloud, right? Mm-hmm. And, that, and that really helps. And then once they're sold on the idea, uh, then they can go and consume the other services, the SaaS services, for instance. And as their teams mature, getting comfortable in the cloud and uh, the constructs that are available to them. Looking out over the next five years, the growth rates will inevitably tail off. So this is at the back end of it, right? As these markets become ever more massive. But we are still forecasting annual growth rates that are generally in the 10 to 30% range. I mean, that's healthy. (laughs) It's healthy regardless. That's healthy. That's healthy. Yeah. Look, the reason I, I I pulled that out, that quote out, is because I think they've, you know, my from what I've been seeing, they've been saying this for a while. They've been saying, um, you know, we've got all the low hanging fruit, we've got the easy wins. It's just going to taper off now, but it's not. It's not, it's not yeah. tapering off. The the dam no. is just continuing to grow. Um, I'm actually. So where are we now? Right, we're, we're just into July. So we've just kind of wrapped up Q2, but none of the Q2 numbers are out yet. So hopefully by maybe not the next podcast, but the one after, uh, I guess because Q2 numbers probably come out at the tail end of July, um, we'll be able to see how they're going up to the mid-year point. I'm actually very interested to see how that, that's continued to uh, go, compares, especially yeah. with the you know kind of recession tailwinds and. Yeah, if the spending slows down. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, see what the, the, re- the impact the recession and the interest rates have on all of that. Yeah. Um, the three big hyperscaler cloud providers, AWS, Azure, and Google Cloud, occupy nearly two-thirds of the public cloud market, according to Synergy's analysis, analysis with a combined 64% share. AWS has the largest public cloud share market with its 33%, followed by Azure at 21 and Google Cloud at 10. But growing the um, fastest. 
But Google Cloud is growing the fastest, yeah. I mean, it'll be a, a watershed moment when that, that 10% overtakes that 21% there on that graph. Okay. Um, and we, we see Google Cloud take over Azure. All right, a nice little quick one here just to finish things off for today uh, because, you know, I've got the rain is starting to come down heavier here and I think there's more four-wheel drives coming in. Everyone's starting, all the grey gray nomads are starting to come in to set up camp for the afternoon. There are two new regions in the US that have launched. Ooh. Yeah. Ever-growing footprint. The newest edition is in Dallas, Texas, which brings Google Cloud's total number of global regions to 34. The rollout follows the launch of its 33rd cloud region in Columbus, Ohio, late last month. The other recent additions include Milan, Italy, Paris, France, and Madrid, Spain, which we covered on the they show. Did. Yeah. Its Texas site is the 11th region in North America and second in the central US, with other located in, in Iowa. Uh, it also has North American cloud regions in Oregon, uh, Salt Lake City, uh, Los Angeles, Las Vegas, South Carolina, North Virginia, as well as Montreal and Toronto, Canada. Right. So, what is that? that was 11. Okay, so a third of, uh, or just a smidge under a third of the entirety is, is all in North America. In the US, mm. in North America. And you kind of understand mm. that, right? You kind of get that. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, they are they are well aware. I mean, it's, as you saw, the, 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 it's growing in New Zealand. So, they can't be ignorant of... Um, growth in other parts of the world no. and i don't think they are they're, they're very sensitive towards wh where the, the customer demands are for sure and you know they they're doing the capital investment to build out that platform all right dave well we might leave it there i've got all sorts of challenges around me and now i have to sit down and try and edit this thing uh, i i reckon that that shipping container is going to be like a, a little bar or something a side panel is going to open and uh <laughs> You'll be able to have a nice evening. That, that's what I hope I, for you, right? I will go and check it out and see what it's all about over there. It's just a big square box at the moment. I'm not sure what's going on. <laughs> we are record, As I said, we are recording early. I'm actually going to put this on... Uh, it will automatically release itself on time and on schedule. And uh, so you'll get this in about a week's time. And when this comes out, I will be dancing my little took us off at uh, a rock festival in the middle of the desert. It's not like Burning Man, though, right? <laughs> no, it's not quite like no. that. We wear clothes. <laughs> all right, guys. Look, don't forget to go and write a review on iTunes. Uh, you can find us all over the place now. Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, uh, Google Podcasts. And check out Cast in Between Two Clouds. That's our sister YouTube channel. You can contact us on the email, gcplife at kasna.com.au, and we've got the Twitter at gcplife. And, of course, today's sponsor is Kasna. At Kasna, we make your Google Cloud solutions possible. All right, well, we'll finish up there, and uh, I'll catch you later, Dave, and I'll see you all later. All right, cheers, Banky. Have a safe trip, mate. <laughs> see you. Bye. I'm not kidding you.
with this rain and with this noise, I actually thought I got to go find somewhere else to record. And I went into town. I, there's three pubs in town. <laughs> I went in every single one of them, hoping to find like a little back corner or a little room or something. Nah, they're all packed to the rafters, yeah. music playing. They're going off because there's thousands of people in town at the moment. Yeah, making the commute. And went, yeah, and I went, okay, well, I'll go in the library. The library's going to be quiet, right? Yeah, but you can't do a recording in the library. It, it's a rainy day and it's school holidays. So <laughs> that library gonna, was manic. You are going to get shushed. <laughs> There's about 10,000 kids in there running around carrying on. Uh, sir, you uh, you can't record in here. 